just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. This is Saturday. We're in the weekend. I don't know that we're going to be saved from any more of the craziness that we heard all this past week. It's It's been an absolutely crazy week. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. And uh, in doing the podcast, the last podcast you listened to, you heard Ed. Uh, and Ed's a reoccurring character on the Rational Boomer podcast. But I have a lot of listeners that will come on and, and do the show with me. And uh, there's one there's one listener that's been on the show that seems to be the most requested by my listeners, and that is Tyler from Canada. Now, the interesting thing is, is Tyler's not a boomer. He's 27 years old. He's living up in the area of Winnipeg. Uh, Tyler's been busy this uh, this summer because he's got a family to feed. So, <laughs> so he's been a little busy, but I'm thankful that Tyler is with us again here today. So, Tyler, thanks for taking the time out. Good to be back, Mike. It's always a pleasure. Now, you're a 27-year-old man. You're not a boomer. You're about the same age. I call you a kid, and some people will say, that's that's disrespectful. Well, you got to understand, my kids are older than you by a little bit. So to me, you're a kid, and it's a term of endearment. It is not disrespect. So if people don't like it, they can fuck off. So um, I just want to – you told me a story before you came on. You said, well, he's a trucker. Tyler's a trucker, but he had a long trip today. Tyler drove 800 miles today, not over two days, not over three days, not a round trip one day, 400, and the next day, 400. He drove from Edmonton, Alberta, back home, just north of Minnesota, and uh, um, that's a hell of a drive, Tyler. I don't know what the fuck you were thinking. Were you in a hurry? Did you need to get back? Yeah, I had to compress my trip in a very short uh, time frame. So I left on Tuesday at about 5.30 in the morning, got over there for dinner, and then I left at 5.30 again this morning, and I got back about 9. I saw one of my cousins in the middle part of the trip there, and uh, I had to get out and stretch my legs, so we're out for a walk now and doing the podcast. Well, that's great. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you took the time to do it. He sent me an email probably about an hour and a half ago, he said, I've been hearing this. Uh, I'll be happy to come on. I said, how about tonight? And when I say tonight, I'm recording this around 11 o'clock to midnight, where I normally record this to be ready for Saturday morning. So Tyler consented to join us, and I appreciate it immensely. Now, Tyler, where you're living just north of the border, north of Minnesota there, or, or no, actually north of North Dakota, I think you are, um, uh, you're getting a front row seat to the shit show we know as the United States of America. How's it looking from your side? Well, it's uh, it doesn't ever seem to um, get less crazy. And I guess that's just the world that we live in with uh, Trump still in the picture. But uh, the walls are closing in. He's beginning to flail. He's um, saying some pretty ridiculous things even beyond his standard. I saw a statement from him today that... Uh, Obama took home 33 million documents to Chicago. I don't know what that's all about. 
how you'd even do that logistically. Where they get this stuff from, I don't know. But he's really flailing now. Well, where he got that from was apparently Obama doesn't have 33 million documents or pages. He doesn't have that. Apparently, some other organization has some documents. I don't know if it's 33 million or not, and it all kind of tied to uh, Obama's presidential library, ultimately, or if it's already exists, I'm not sure. So a group, an authorized group has some documents in there, and, and they're going to go into the library, I believe. But, of course, Donald Trump just pulls numbers and bullshit out of his ass, and he says, well, Obama did it. Like that, like that helps his situation. Um I'm curious as to how you re, how you reacted to this. We're hearing a lot of a lot of flailing now from Donald Trump, and we're talking about, of course, the the uh, the the search of his home in Mar-a-Lago, where they took the documents out. And uh, the first thing Donald Trump said, "Oh, there's nothing there, nothing to see," and then he changed it up and said, "Well, the FBI all planted it." <laughs> and now, now he's saying, oh, well, you know what? I had a standing order that whenever I took something out of the White House, it was automatically declassified, which is not a thing. You you can't do that. And when people say, well, why would you bring this home? He says, well, I'm just like anybody else. You know, I bring stuff home from work to look at and read. But we know Donald Trump doesn't fucking read. So that's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> do, do do Canadians get a good laugh out of this or are they concerned about it? Well, I got a friend of mine in Winnipeg. Him and I talk about this stuff all the time. He's an enthusiast in American politics, just like I am. And uh, he's more familiar with the law than I am. He's a, he's a lot smarter than I am too. So I get to pick his brain on a regular basis. And he, uh, <laughs> he like me, is just beside himself that, uh, number one, he's not uh, contained in any way. He's not arrested or, or something. I guess he's up in New York or New Jersey somewhere. I know he's busy with Letitia James after all of his efforts to um, push that off, but she got him there, even though he didn't say anything. But yeah, so um, you know, we got word that um, it it had to do with uh, nuclear documents. Of course, these some people are saying it's the codes. Well, I think they changed the codes on that football every day, just so that oh, it always yeah. is different. That's not, it wouldn't be the codes, but I mean, you could be talking about their technology, their response time, their locations. They move them all the time anyway, but their locations, they could be anything future designs. I mean, it's just, it's, it's just unbelievable. I don't know how, I have no idea how he's not under any kind of containment or on a no-fly list or something i was going to throw that up to you and see what you thought you know maybe this goes down the road a couple of weeks and they think he's a national security risk and maybe they pull his passport so he can't uh fly out of the country well i think that wouldn't be a bad idea i mean we've talked about this before you mentioned to me things i've brought out about narcissists and and donald trump is playing out the uh process of a narcissist you know they fly high they're bullies they get away with stuff and then stuff starts going wrong and they start uh, they start spiraling a little bit and then the crash comes and we're very close to the crash right now and then typically what narcissists do after that 
they get the fuck out of Dodge. They leave. They run because they can't stand the embarrassment of being wrong. And there's no way they can talk their way out of it anymore. So the idea that Donald Trump might hop on a plane and go to, I don't know, Saudi Arabia, probably not Russia, uh, but take off, it wouldn't surprise me because he's a narcissist. It's all about saving him. And as much as that might be embarrassing to leave the country, uh, it's probably not out of the realm of possibility because of who he is. Well, what I can pick up, and I mean, I'm not a genius, and I think you're sensing this too, is you can tell that this has caught him off guard or something because he's he's flailing in every which direction. There's no plan. The GOP says one thing, he says another thing. Let's release them. Let's not. Let's see them. Oh, we better not. All this. It's just an absolutely insane week. Um, but you can tell there's no direction. There's no um, plan. It's they got him with his pants down while yeah. he was busy with uh, James there. And yeah. so it, it's it's quite entertaining to watch. But you can tell that uh, that they got him on surprise. Well, I think he is surprised. I think anytime he's held accountable for anything, he's surprised. You know, while he was president, um, they want to tell us that nothing came out of the Mueller report, but there were at least 10 occasions of obstruction. And they say, well, he wasn't prosecuted, so he was exonerated. No, he wasn't. He was just safe because he was the president at the time. Had he not been the president, he would have been indicted and prosecuted and probably be in jail to this day. Um, but this is a much different situation. He's no longer president. He doesn't have that kind of protection. But you got to understand, from the day he was born, Daddy had a lot of money. And every time Donnie fucked up, which was just about every day, Daddy bailed him out. Then when Daddy dies and he fucks up and he needs money, then the Russians were there for him. And now he's leaning on the Saudi Arabians. So he's always had somebody to bail him out. So this is... This has got to be foreign to him to actually be accountable and looking at a situation where he has no way out. Yeah, you know, all of his uh, career, he's been kind of like that mob boss real estate type bullshit up in New York. And I don't know if the, if it's just unwritten code up there to just leave them alone. They must know what they're up to. I mean, NYPD spends something like $6 billion a year or something. They must have known not just necessarily him, but what goes on and how much you stir the pot and stuff like that. But, you know, now that he's kind of out in New York, he's, you know, he's put the spotlight on himself because he wanted to be president so bad. So then James is opening up these cases to go in there and see what he's up to. And, you know, all the documents that she's getting now from that accounting service or whatever that was. And yeah. they got him in a deposition and he takes the fifth on every single question. And she's getting so close, you know, it's, it's almost going to be like a trifecta. Maybe they all this rains down on him in September. I don't think they'll do it in October. I think um, Bonnie Willis even said she wouldn't do anything in October. But um, maybe it rains down on him in September or they wait for the midterms to pass and just absolutely destroy him in November. Who knows? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the thing about Donald Trump uh, uh, pleading the fifth in this civil trial with Letitia James he pretty much bailed on that trial. He pretty much gave it up because unlike criminal trials, uh, in a civil trial, when you plead the fifth, they can use that against you. They can bring that, what he did in the depositions, out in the civil trial, 
And the jury is allowed to presume that that is bad, that he did something wrong. You can't do that in a criminal trial, but you can do that in a civil trial. And clearly he did that to save himself from criminal uh, being implicated criminally. But something else came out today that was kind of interesting. I know people are always talking about the Manhattan District and uh, how the Manhattan District, as of late, uh, the new uh, the new uh, DA there has said, it seems like he's kind of going hands off on Donald Trump. Now, if something comes out of the civil trial, he may be forced to do something. But none of this means nothing's going on. In the Manhattan District today, a judge said, "Okay, we're going to go ahead with the trial because his CFO, Alan Weisselberg, was indicted over this this criminal activity of inflating and deflating the values of his property and the indictment against the Trump organization. So there is going to be a trial, a criminal trial with Alan Weisselberg, his CFO. And the and the uh, Trump organization. Now, here's the thing. People were wondering, is Weisselberg going to flip? And he never did. People going, why would you fucking do that? Well, between now and October, when this trial starts, if there's ever a time Alan Weisselberg is going to flip, it's going to be now because shit's about to get real. Yeah, there's really no power of position anymore. I mean, the world is just raining down on Trump now. He's. He's um, getting the walls closed in from about four or five different areas. So I think you're right. If there was ever a time to flip, it would be now. And I've really struggled with this um, criminal case with Bragg because they, he's he's nailed them before. He went after them with the charity case. So right. he has no issue taking them down. So I was consulting my buddy there in Winnipeg, who's more familiar with the law than I am. And he said, it just sounds like Bragg was... Uh, squeamish about it or scared or whatever, you know, the first criminal case against a former right. president. But I think I, I'm more in line with you, I believe, that he just put it on pause, you know, let the feds do what they're going to do with uh, January 6th and everything, and then uh, let Georgia do their thing down there. I think maybe he was just going to take some time to analyze the situation. It sounded like those two high-powered prosecutors wanted to go straight ahead with it. But, you know, I think I'm more in the camp where he said, well, I just got into office. This isn't my case. Let's take some time to look at it, see what others do. And I don't think that one's over either. No, it's not over. In my 62 years of living, I've learned one thing. Never jump into anything. Just lay back and watch and pick your time. And you're going to do better in the long run. I mean, the idea of implicating and indicting a former president is unprecedented. That's a word that's being overused now. Uh, everybody's afraid to be the first one. But now that they've done this raid on his home, that's kind of cracked it a little bit. Now, people are, are going to look at going after Donald Trump as a little easier. And I think Fonnie Willis down in Fulton County in Georgia, I don't think she gives a fuck. I think she's going to go after him. I think she may be the first one to indict him. And watch what happens when he is first indicted, or even after this this uh, raid, 
things are going to start falling faster and easier because people don't mind being the second one to indict them. They aren't going to look as stupid as they thought they might. They don't want to take the risk. That's what Bragg is doing up in the Manhattan district. But as soon as Fonnie Willis or the DOJ indicts Donald Trump, there's probably going to be five more right behind it. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. You know, good for Willis to uh, just be a, a bulldog on him down in Georgia. She has absolutely no fear, and same with James. But I could really see where, you know, people would want to uh, leave it to the DOJ uh, to, to nail him on something first. And even if it's a, one of the smaller ones like the Presidential Records Act or this um, document thing, you know, we you were talking a little bit about, you know, the FBI was kind of negotiating with him, subpoena, uh, sent a right. subpoena for those boxes and stuff. It's it's clear to me that they tried everything not to raid the house because they probably knew it was going to be a big uproar and everything. Not Maybe they don't care about public opinion so much, but they knew it was going to be a massive backlash. So they tried and tried and tried. And I'll bet that Trump just didn't think they were going to do it. So they just, you know, kind of told them to, told them to fuck off. So, um, they well, he's done that with everything. Yeah, he's done that with everything. I'm not showing up to talk. If I come to talk, I'm going to plead the fifth. Don't give him anything. Let's delay whatever. I think you're right. I think he thought he would never be accountable. He was the former president, for Christ's sake. He can get away with anything. And he knows that from having four years in office where he did get away with everything. So, um, yeah, he's surprised now. And this is usually what happens with these people. When they finally become accountable after a lifetime of not being accountable, now they don't know what to do. They get mad. They get crazy. And like you said, they start flailing around and doing crazy, crazy shit. Now, the one thing you got to understand about, at first I was thinking, okay, they'll just get them on the uh, presidential records thing. It's a fairly minor thing, but it's a year in jail. They could suspend that a hundred thousand dollars. He could handle that, but he would never ever be able to run for office again. And I thought, well, that might be an easy way out for the DOJ to do that. It's, it's still touchy, but it's not that big a deal. But when we're looking at this particular raid and these particular dom, uh, documents, it opens up a whole different thing. As I've said in the previous podcast, he's already committed crimes without question. The moment he took those documents out of the White House, brought them to uh, Florida, that's a crime. The moment the National Archives says, we want all our documents back, and he hands them 15 boxes but holds on to some other stuff, that's a crime. That's obstruction. That's 20 years. And then when they raid it and they find out he's got all these documents, just having possession of these documents without regard to what's on these documents, just by having top secret documents in his possession, that's another crime. So we've got at least three crimes without even looking at what was in the documents that he's actually committed and that we can prove. So he's fucked. Yeah, this whole um, national security issue, it, it really adds a whole new layer to it. You know, if he took um, Biden's fair, well, sorry, Obama's farewell letter home, say that one document without permission or a copy or whatever, that alone would be a Illegal. crime because, yeah. You're, yeah, you're not allowed to take a single 
piece of document from the White House. So, you know, then to have all these boxes, what he was doing with them, I don't know. And I was thinking about it today. I was curious if maybe he snuck them, snuck them home after January 6th, or if they had them in the chopper when it took him home. Because remember, on the last day, he got in the, I forget what they call that thing, but the presidential helicopter, and it flew him home. Right after the, the inauguration, there. yeah. Yeah, or, um, you know, was, the Secret Service would have seen them. They wouldn't be leaving his side, so were they, um, what's that word? Well, disciples but, anyway, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But, 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 but you mentioned the Secret Service. Based on what's gone on, can we trust the Secret Service? I don't think so. Yeah, well, who knows? It, it obviously was uh, someone on the straight and narrow that uh, tipped the FBI off about him having these nuclear documents in Mar-a-Lago. You know, this is a place where they throw parties. There's international travel. Who knows who's been in there? We talked about spies and stuff like that. So who knows who's seen those documents? And, you know, he was probably showing them off that he's big and powerful and all this. Or right. perhaps he was selling secrets like, he likes to sell everything, so it doesn't surprise me. Well, he likes to appear to be a big shot, and he's all about leverage and all about making money. And if he can show these top secret documents off, I'm sure that makes him feel good. You know, the question here that has to be asked of Donald Trump is, what is the reason that you pulled all these documents out and brought them down to Mar-a-Lago? You telling me that, oh, I was just bringing my home, work home with me. That's bullshit. Nobody's going to believe that. That's not going to work. And when you look at it, there's only one reason to bring these documents home, to use them for your benefit, whether it be selling them or whether it be um, using it as leverage. Now, somebody on one of my posts, they says, well, if he's selling them, how come they're still there? You know, down in Mar-a-Lago, they do have copy machines. And why would Donald Trump send the original if he can make copies all fucking day? I, I don't know. understand how people think sometimes. Yeah, I'm not uh, always jealous of your position and your amount of followers. It, it sometimes attracts some of the worst people. So I, I get some. some of your, yeah, I get some through some of your TikToks sometimes and just some of the stupidity that's on there just cracks me up. <laughs> it, it is pretty amazing. And, 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 and so now we have to determine why he did it and he's going to have to explain it. And he's really got no way to explain it. And if you have documents that are top secret, that's a problem. If you have documents that are, um, are uh, associated with, with uh, nuclear weapons or what have you, that's a whole no another level of problem. You know, he's saying he's just bringing them home because he brings his work home with him. And then he has the audacity to say, well, I declassified them all. As if you can just wave your hands and say, I, the Lord Donald Trump, can declassify them. You can't do that. There's got to be a process. There's got to be some documentation. Somebody else has to know. And all those documents that have top secret on them, they have to be taken off or scratched out 
or something officially. You can't continue to have the top secret on it if, in fact, you declassified it. So none of this stuff was declassified. He doesn't. He's not detail-oriented enough to go through 27 boxes of documents and declassify all of them. That's absolute bullshit. And this goes to what you were saying before. This fucker's flailing. He'll say anything to save his ass, and it isn't going to work this time. Oh, yeah, he has absolutely no idea what he's talking about. He doesn't know what the process for declassifying wouldn't matter anyway. I, I follow, um, I think she's a CNN commentator, Asha Rangapa, something like that. She's yeah, no, CNN. yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, she's, she's wicked smart. She's a lawyer. She's a former FBI agent. So, you know, follow, if you are on Twitter, following her is just essential right now. She's doing threads every day, explaining stuff. It's just incredible knowledge. And uh, I can't even keep up with it. She's just so wicked smart, but it's all there. Um, yeah, Trump has absolutely no idea what he's talking about. They're declassifying and classifying, and I can take this home, take that home. Everybody knows he didn't do a single thing when he was in office. All he did was act as like an ambassador, I don't know, to himself or to the States or something. He just went to showboat internationally. He played a lot of golf and charged the Secret Service 10 times what he normally would and all this. And You'd watch Fox News every day. I don't know. There's, there was an account on Twitter back when he was in office, and it kind of tracked his, his tweets with what Fox News was saying, and it was right. it would just follow each other by like 15 minutes. So he got oh, yeah. this great idea on Fox News, and then tweet about it. Like that's how he found his uh, one of the, his election lawyers, Jenna Ellis. Um, she was on there talking about Trump and how wonderful he is and all this stuff. She's like the traffic lawyer. She's, you know, just someone that you hire to get rid of your parking pass or parking ticket, whatever. Right. And then now she's, you know, a, a high level lawyer because she said something nice about Trump on Fox News. That's how ridiculous it was. He's got some of the dumbest attorneys I've ever seen. They had an attorney on recently and Laura Ingram was asking her, is there any any uh, uh, nuclear documents in this tranche of documents and she goes well no i i don't believe so and she goes you don't believe so do you know so have you talked to donald trump well i haven't talked to donald trump but i don't believe there's any in there nice answer from a fucking lawyer well why even go on the air if you don't know like she probably thought that laura ingram wasn't going to press her on something like that they were probably just going to talk about oh this big crazy raid and not actually tough questions you know, one of the things that I, I thought from the beginning in 2016 that Donald Trump would do crazy, outrageous, illegal shit, which he did. And all along the way, I thought at some point the Republicans will say, oh, that's a bridge too far. I'm stepping away from this motherfucker and leave him to um, to flail on his own. But that never really happened. As somebody who's outside the country, are What's your impression of Republicans, you know, the Mitch McConnells, the Lauren Boeberts, the whoever, Kevin McCarthy's, that they're still tight to Donald Trump? He's been out of office for two years. He's obviously crazy, criminal and corrupt, but they're still staying tight to him. What's your impression of that? Well, my opinion is there's two different sets of Republicans. So there's the Boeberts, the Greens, the Gates. Those people are so stupid. They, they'll buy right into the ship and, or the, whatever you want to call it, go right over the cliff with them, crash and burn and go to jail forever and millions of dollars in fines because they're just that dumb, in my opinion. I think Gates actually has 
some kind of education, but I mean, maybe it was bought and paid for and it's a phony ticket, but you know, those guys will go over the cliff with him. They don't care. They're, they're there to the bitter end, but like someone like Ted Cruz. So he'll say all this inflammatory stuff on Twitter. He's all, he's all in, but when the door closes, like he's, he's a, a wicked smart lawyer. Like yeah. he's not a dumb man. So when the doors close and we see this with Kevin McCarthy too, when the doors close, it's a lot different story. So it's been very funny watching Cheney just uh, obliterate McCarthy over his two-sided opinions and stuff. But Cruz is no different. Holly is no different. They say one thing in public. They say different things behind closed doors. Maybe they just don't think their Twitter comments will impact anything serious, but, you know, they can get the likes that they need to flame people up. You know, <laughs> I was really laughing there earlier. I was in my car driving back from Edmonton. I don't remember what number it was, but you were talking, you were bringing up the tweets about this, uh, all the Crowders and the Shapiros and all those guys that this is an Armageddon and a, and a battle of biblical times and all this ridiculous yeah. stuff. Yeah. They really, they really want to make it seem like this is the beginning of the war. And, you know, it's, it's funny to laugh at, but at the same time, um, this is what, this is what causes those attacks in Cincinnati where people get inflamed by these comments. They got all worked up about these comments and then they, those are the people that take action and the people that tweet have no repercussions. Well, no, you can't pin it on one of them, but you know, they're all um, sitting there saying these, you know, biblical Armageddon times and people get all worked up by that. And then they feel it necessary to take it out on FBI offices where, you know, someone could have been killed right. over bullshit. Sorry. Well, I'm just going by a, generator here i'll i'll get past it here that's no problem you know everything that the republicans do is based on fear this is how they motivate their base they they make them afraid of brown people coming across the border uh they make them afraid of socialism they make them afraid of uh people of color in general they make them afraid of the lgbtq this is how they they motivate them to act and 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 when you're acting out of fear you start talking about violence, especially if you're not too bright. But one of the things I said after this this search, you go on CNN, and this is one of the problems I have with CNN. They kept pounding on and pounding on all the noise on, on the Internet and, and how the violence is starting to boil on the Internet. It's just a matter of time before we have the violence. And I said at that time, I said, we are not going to see any large group of Trumplefucks get in any kind of violence now because they have no protection. They have no cover. Uh, people like that, if they're going to charge the Capitol, they're going to get shot fucking down. This is a much different thing. At the same time, I said, there will be some occasional crazy fucks, one or two people that do something stupid because they're just crazy. And of course, the next day, we got this guy in Cincinnati, Ohio, that thinks he can break bulletproof glass with a nail gun because he saw it on the fucking Internet. It doesn't work. And he ends up dead. And thank God for that. You know, I'm not the kind of guy that loves seeing people get hurt or killed, but in this guy, he fucked around and found out. Well, he's a January 6th participant, so someone like that, um, you don't need around anyway. I'm sure he has a, uh, maybe he doesn't have a family, but, you know, you don't, you try not to feel bad for these folks because they're grown adults. They should have more wisdom than what they do. But these are obviously low information or low IQ people that have been directly targeted 
by these politicians or media or whoever. And it, it gets them at a base level, at a fundamental level. It, it, it strokes their fears. It strokes their vulnerability. You know, you said so many times they're deeply insecure. And that's absolutely correct. If you're secure about yourself, you know, you can, you can have the wherewithal to say, okay, am I actually losing my country? Probably not, you know. Um, but these people, they don't, they don't see it that way. They, they buy into these ideas that they're losing their country. And, and it, it just it strikes them at a base level. And you can understand almost where these people would be motivated to violence if they actually believe that something is going to directly affect them or their family. Now, it's all bullshit. We know that. But you can begin to understand where these people get these ideas from if they really feel like, you know, things are lost. And that's that's too bad because it's all based on lies. Well, I place a lot of blame with the media. Uh, You know, you've got Donald Trump and you've got the Republicans spewing their shit and you've got Twitter and you've got, you know, other social media, Facebook and the like. But uh, as far as being this country being divided, I I lay it at the the feet of, of the media because you can watch any number of news sources on television and you will get a different story, whether you're watching Fox or MSNBC. Now, the people that watch Fox only watch Fox. And the people that watch MSNBC only watch MSNBC. So there's no in-between there. You're either getting the left or the right. And uh, the problem is nobody seems to know all the facts, knows all the issues in a given situation. They only know what they what they. Uh, believe or want to believe and supports their agenda. And that's where the divisiveness comes from. I mean, hell, Donald Trump, the only reason he was a legitimate candidate at any point is because he got put on TV every fucking day because he was a shit show and he was good television. Well, I didn't realize, you know, just being up here, you don't hear stuff like that or sorry, stuff like this, but maybe you can corroborate it. Apparently like uh, the folks at New York times, and maybe not CNN, but those big time newspapers uh, like Washington Post, those type of folks, they were actually like marching for bankruptcy because, you know, politics or national news had just become so boring. Right. Only so many mass shootings you can report on before it gets stale. So when they saw Trump, they just saw the opportunity of a lifetime to capture America in in either racism or fear or. You know, just he was just the talk of the entire nation. They crept up here. Everybody was paying attention. So, like you said, all of these voters that came out of the woodworks from underneath their rocks, they're the ones that put him into office, the very worst people on this planet. And so that's how he got elected. And, you know, Hillary Clinton was not a good candidate anyway. You know, no. even if she were, she was probably the most well-qualified person maybe ever to run but you know if people were tired of the clintons um they had all that bullshit in the 90s even though i think bill clinton was a fairly good president um you know he had all that bullshit with uh, lewinsky and all that other stuff and i think america was just tired of hearing the clinton name and you know i firmly believe if they had put bernie up he wouldn't trump wouldn't have won i agree i agree because people were looking for something different something anti-establishment 
And with Hillary up, Donald Trump mm-hmm. was the only other option. And they didn't know enough about Donald Trump not to vote for him. So, and, and of course, the media gave him all kinds of credibility. And you're right. You know, a lot of these, the, the whole news cycle thing was a lot weaker prior to Donald Trump. He was good television. So CNN hopped on, MSNBC, Fox. They made a lot of money during this situation. And I'll be honest with you. I have to be completely honest. Without Donald Trump, Rational Boomer TikTok and Rational Boomer podcast may not exist. It might have, because I'll bitch about anything. But, um, but it was kind of a hot time to do it. It wasn't my intention, and I can assure you, Tyler, I'm not making any money doing this. So it's it, it's not that I'm getting rich from it, but at least I'm I'm getting some attention uh, from the TikToks and, and on the podcast, and that's good. And 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 the intent for me here is to try to give all the information as opposed to just the little bits and pieces you get from the TV news. So hopefully, people are more informed, and we can make some good choices as opposed to bullshit choices yeah at least you're intellectually honest about it you know there's a lot of folks that came up in 2015 and 2016 you know we've talked about um brian tyler cohen before he's um very left wing out of california not a bad guy not a bad speaker i think he covers issues very well i think he does a lot for voting and stuff like that but this is a character that would not have existed otherwise oh i don't know if you've ever i don't know if you've ever heard of the company crooked media i'm sure some of your listeners will, will i have this pod I save, yeah pod save america pod save the world i'm actually going to wa- listen to pod save the world next week i'm very interested to hear what they say about these nuclear documents because those two worked in um national security so they'll know all about it you know i've never listened to that podcast and i should so maybe i'll take that suggestion too and take a listen to it. Cause I, I don't listen to radio in the car. I listen to audiobooks and podcasts. So that might be a good one to check out. Well, for the longest time I was listening to pod save America, but um, you know, it kind of got in the dull days of winter there and they, they were kind of just rambling about the same thing every week. And there was really no bills coming up or information coming out. So they were just the, the, the criticism I have of those guys is it's sort of an echo chamber. You know, yeah. you get very, they're very, very left wing. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but, they get the three or four of them together and they kind of just bounce around the same ideas. I think sometimes they're critical of the administration and they're honest about stuff, but it sort of becomes an echo chamber sometimes. So I like um, the world one better because they're um, I'm sure you've heard of Ben Rhodes. He was all over the world with Obama and just listening to him is incredible. Yeah. I think, I I think anytime you have an, uh, an extreme, a far right or a far left, that poses some problems. I mean, there has to be some point where you look at things logically and, and, and you try to do what's best, not what's best for you. And I think sometimes the progressives push a little too hard on their agenda and it, they end up shooting themselves in the foot because the vast majority of the people aren't progressive. So. You know, what the Democrats want to do is fall, it falls short because they're not, they're not united because the progressives want what they want, you know. And, and that might have been part of the reason why, uh, Hillary lost. The progressives were mad about Bernie. So they said, fuck Hillary. And, uh, that cost them the election. And, and so they shot themselves in the foot, even though they weren't going to get what they wanted. They got something the polar opposite of what they wanted. And it didn't make any sense. Well, just in conversations with this friend of mine in in Winnipeg, we've kind of determined that the progressive wing, like uh, it's 
It's headed by um, Jaya Paul, who I really like. I think she's really smart. I do too. Um, but AOC, yeah, AOC is in there. You know that whole group. And it's kind of like Charlie and the football, like on the Build Back Better, uh, the original deal. Mansion had agreed. Cinema had agreed. Yep, we're going to do it all together. And then at the last minute, they say, oh, well, you know, we'll look at it again. But just pass our bill. Pass the bipartisan bill. And Biden said, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We'll get it passed. Don't even... You, you vote for it, vote for the bipartisan one, we'll get this one done. And then they pulled the football. And so right. <laughs> then they went with, a, I don't know, what is it, a year without any kind of plan. And now it doesn't still doesn't include the insulin cap or the uh, child care benefits. So, you know, I think they, they play a good role, though. Like they brought the whole climate thing to the forefront. Um, there's some other good stuff in uh, whatever they call it. This one, in inflation reduction, the uh, Manchin-Schumer bill. So they brought, right. so they brought stuff in the right direction, a little bit watered down, but I think it's still a good bill. Yeah, I do too. And let's talk about that in the next segment. I'm going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. All right, we're back. And, and Tyler, thanks for bringing up the inflation reduction bill. And, uh, it's something I wanted to talk about because that passed yesterday. It passed the Senate. It passed the House, and now it's going to Joe Biden. And to be perfectly honest with you, for a long period of time, people were wondering, well, what's what's Joe Biden and the Democrats going to run on during the midterms? Uh, and now it seems like Joe Biden's winning every time he turns around. So this is a good thing. And like you said, this bill is a watered-down version of the Build Back Better bill. And there are some people, especially progressives, saying, well, I don't like it because it's not everything I want. But what we found out was bipartisanism is bullshit. It can't be done. We wasted too much time on that. In my opinion, if I'm in business and I'm doing something like this, I'm going to get as much as I can get, make as much hay as I can make, and hopefully it's enough to win the midterms and then you have to wait a little bit, but once the midterms hit, and if we get enough of a margin in the House and in the Senate, then for two years we can do whatever the fuck we want. Sometimes we can't always get everything we want, but we need to get something. Yeah, um, you know, you got to play the game, unfortunately. It's, it's just one big game. These people make millions and millions of dollars a year. You think that they'd be a little more grown up than this, but, you know, we know how these things work. So it's all just games. But in the end, it got something done. And, you know, it's pretty clear what, what this is from Manchin. It's not this, not that he suddenly has this, you know, big desire to save the climate or the other things that are in there. Maybe he wanted to reduce the deficit. Maybe that was important to him. But what's, what's buried in there is that it's a few little goodies for West Virginia. And I'm, they had to overrule a certain court that kept blocking some pipeline or something. I really, maybe I shouldn't talk about the details. I haven't looked into it that far but i know that there's little goodies in there for west virginia specifically that he uh you know brought to the forefront and obviously schumer says yeah okay fine we'll throw that in there if you do this and that's right. how it got done so i'm wondering if one of his pals down there in west virginia said you know listen joe this one court or whatever roadblock is starting to piss us off get something done for us and so then he went to schumer and said okay we got to get this done then let's move on with some legislation. 
clearly that's what happened here. Well, that's definitely the way things work in Washington. There's a lot of horse trading and there's a lot of things buried in bills that people never hear about that benefit whoever they're trying to convince. I think there's another factor to that, though. I think Joe Manchin, with all the power he has now because of uh, the 50-50 split in the U.S. Senate, I think he sees the writing on the wall. I think he sees what's coming. And if what's coming actually happens and they get two or three more senators, then he's inconsequential. And what he's done over the past two years is piss off the Democrats to a large degree. Now he's seeing if I don't have any more power, if I can't wield any more power, I'm going to need some friends to get anything done for me. So I think he's trying to rehabilitate himself a little bit with the Democrats and kind of appease the Democrats. So when he no longer has the power, when he isn't the deciding factor in some of these Senate situations, that he's still going to get some cooperation from his Democrats in the Senate. Well, I'll definitely buy into that because he's looking at the polls. He's looking at how things are shaping up for the midterms. There's no doubt about it. And so if he wanted to get these little goodies in there for West Virginia and he stalled and waited to pass the midterms, well, like you said, he's inconsequential and maybe he doesn't get those little barriers lifted for his friends. And so, you know, Fetterman's doing well. It looks like Barnes is doing well up in Wisconsin. Um, yeah, we mentioned Fetterman. He's, there's no competition there. It doesn't sound like Warnock's going to have any trouble down in Georgia. Um, and it looks like Ryan's pulled ahead of Vance, which is a surprise some. It doesn't surprise me because Vance is, you know, just a, a joke in my opinion. He's a coastal elite. He's funded by these big, um, big money, um, activists down in the, in the coast or in Florida. And they want to get him up there and pretend like he's this, uh, uh, blue collar guy. It's just a complete joke. Whereas Ryan is from there. He's popular. They know him. And same with Fetterman. Like, um, you know, he's, he's just hammering odds every single day. It's just a total beat down. It's hilarious to watch. Anytime Oz tweets out something, he's got twice as many comments as he does likes. It's a total shit show and he's getting absolutely nowhere. And Fetterman just hits him back with something and it explodes on Twitter. There's no competition with that one. Yeah, Fetterman's kind of an odd character. He is typically a blue-collar guy. He's kind of a unique-looking guy. He doesn't have a – he isn't a politician. And what what tells me a lot about the popularity of uh, Fetterman is just prior to the primary, he has a fucking stroke, and he still kicks Oz's fucking ass. I mean, I don't know. You're not old enough to remember this, but, you know, if you went back to the 70s or the 80s, and uh, a candidate showed any kind of weakness, you know, whether it be emotional or physical, they were fucking done. But he still plowed right through Oz. I don't know if that's a testament to how good he is or how bad Oz is, but Oz is not going to win here. And I think the Republicans are now starting to realize it. Yeah, uh, he got Trump's endorsement and that hedge fund guy, you know, it was down to half a percentage or something like that. And Oz was already declaring victory. It looks like he did win in the end anyway. That was kind of strange. It went on for like two, three weeks. But yeah, it was that weird hedge fund guy that, you know, would have just been a boring candidate anyway. You know, Fetterman's the lieutenant governor. He's won a statewide race before. He's popular. They like him. 
no competition there. Yeah. Well, you know, and I'm hearing one of the things I get when I do the TikToks and, and the podcast here is I get a lot of Democrats who are negative. You know, I've talked about that on the show before. Oh, Merrick Garland's not going to do anything. Donald Trump isn't going to pay the price. And when it comes to the primaries, they get all worked up. They say, oh, my God, Donald Trump's endorsee is going to win the primary. If they get in, it'll be a shit show. You got to look at it a little deeper than that. We want Donald Trump's endorsees to win because they are the crazy fuckers like the Oz's, like the Herschel Walker's. They are going to be far easier to beat than some, like you say, normal or boring guy that might might take some of these people of a reasonable mind and get their votes. Throw Herschel Walker in there, Dr. Oz. Those fuckers are going to get their clocks clean because they're just too crazy. And even Mitch McConnell knows this is a problem. Oh, yeah. Between Oz and, and Walker, we can take apart both of them like Oz lives i think or is from new jersey right i don't know why i don't know why he flies into pennsylvania and pretends otherwise everybody can see through that he's still a voting member of turkey so (laughs) it's just it's just a complete joke it's it's just insane and herschel walker you know that's just um that's abuse honestly that's (laughs) i don't understand why anybody thought well i guess trump thought it was a good idea but i mean he's just a horrific candidate he talks about family values and then four or five kids pop up in the media. What else? I mean, he's just, he can't form a sentence. You know, they, they put a mic in front of him and he fucks himself over every single time. Well, just like Donald Trump and, and you know, what Donald Trump does, he doesn't make informed or good decisions. You said you, you said you saw his lawyer on television, right? When, yeah, when she, I got, oh, I, yeah, I got the clip of it where, yeah, she was talking to Ingram, and I don't think she expected any tough questions. Yeah, what did she look like? Oh, I don't know. She looked. I think she was an older blonde lady, I think. She, she was a pretty attractive girl, if I remember right. She was pretty attractive. And, it, and if you look at any number of lawyers he has around him, they're cute girls from TV or whatever. He took Herschel Walker because he had a name. He was famous. He took Oz because he was famous, not because he was good. And that's the decisions Donald Trump makes. He doesn't pick people with substance. He thinks he can win by looks or fame or something like that. And that is the fatal flaw for Donald Trump. You can't take Dr. Oz, who does a fucking TV show, and expect him to be a senator. You can't take a a football player who happens to be famous and well-known in Georgia, but he's mentally deficient and expect him to win. So I love the fact that Donald Trump is picking all these candidates for the Republicans because he's picking the worst of uh, of the worst to run against Democrats. You mentioned Ryan in Ohio. <clears throat> now, I think in under normal circumstances, uh, Ryan would probably have a tough time winning there. He's in the House of Representatives. But like you say, they bring in J.D. Vance. J.D. Vance the only reason anybody knows who J.D. Vance is is because he wrote a book, Hillbilly Elegy or, or Eulogy or whatever the fuck it is. And yeah. Donald Trump saw him as, well, everybody knows him. He's going to win. That's the mentality. But unfortunately, he's a no-show. They don't even know where he is half the time. 
He doesn't want to put in any work. He doesn't want to campaign. He doesn't want to do any of that shit. And Ryan, who's in the House of Representatives, is a pretty sharp guy. He's an excellent speaker. And uh, he hustles. So Donald Trump is tearing down the Republican Party at this point. When it comes down to the midterms, and I believe the House and the Senate will still be held by the Democrats and the majorities will get bigger. You can blame Donald Trump directly for that. Yeah. You know, you said it before and it's just, it's just his nature. Donald Trump sticks to what he knows. So, you know, he did the the pageant thing, whatever that was, miss whatever back in the day. And yeah. so he sticks to, you know, these beautiful women doesn't matter what their, what their capabilities are or their credentials. So he sees Jen Ellis is, you know, maybe not attractive to some, but to most, I'm sure she's attractive and she's speaking well of Donald Trump. So he just, he has to have it. He can't resist. And, you know, it's just, it sticks to what he knows. So he looks at a TV star in Oz. Maybe he's corroborated with him before. He's from that same area. So maybe they've talked Well, Herschel Walker. He was involved with a football team. So Donald Trump sticks to what he knows. It doesn't matter what their credentials are. If they're good, it doesn't matter. He just sticks to what he knows. Well, you have to understand with Donald Trump, that mentality and having known that mentality with Donald Trump, all you have to do is go up and say, Donald, you're a great guy. You're a fucking genius. You're doing a great job. And then in two minutes, you're secretary of state. That's really all it takes with Donald Trump. And there is no thought process with it. If he thinks you're his guy, he'll do anything for you. That's why he got sucked into Vladimir Putin. That's why he got sucked into Kim Jong-un, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. All these people know he's easily easy to play. So they're smarter than he is. And that's what what they do. They play this mother for all they all he's worth. He has been nothing. When he came into office as president for the Republican Party and all these other leaders around the country, he is nothing more than a useful idiot. He is a tool to be used, and that's what happened throughout his whole thing. And they made him believe that he was a genius and he was smart. And because he's a narcissist, he's on board. Oh, yeah. The Saudis and uh, Putin played him like a fiddle. It's just so clear to see. I wanted to bring something up with the Saudis. I don't know if you remember this. I think Pompeo was over there, but Kushner for sure was over there after January 6th, like in Saudi Arabia, doing like a farewell tour or something. Yeah. And yeah. Then, so, you know, we talked about it a little bit, but you get that $2 billion mysterious investment and stuff. But, you know, it just just makes you wonder, what were they doing? Like, I was listening to Pod Save the World there at the time, and uh, both of them would have, both the hosts are familiar with that sort of thing, like especially Ben Rhodes, he would have traveled with, um obama and the and the national security agencies whatever department he was in and they both said this is just completely strange completely odd this is not something they do so it's like they were arranging something with the saudis in in the very final days but it it just goes to show like you said all you got to do is say the right thing sing the right tune and he's easily manipulated it's just as easy as it gets well, I think I think the situation with the Saudis might even explain these uh, these top secret documents that he stole. I mean, think about Donald Trump early on in his presidency. He uh, was trying to convince everybody to sell nuclear weapons to Saudi Arabia. And he was so anxious about that. He wanted to go around 
Congress to do that. That was interesting. And then when the crown prince killed that journalist from the United States, he said, oh, I think he's fine. I don't think he did anything when everybody in the world knows he did. And then at the end of the presidency, like you mentioned, we've got Jared Kushner goes over and cuts a deal for $2 billion. He's got a new company where he's going to manage this people's money, $2 billion. Now, the people in Saudi Arabia that were behind the crown prince said, don't do this. This is fucking stupid. Jared Kushner, the only people he's ever worked for in his life is his father-in-law and his parents. Jared Kushner doesn't know anything. He has a rich dad. He has a rich and uh, influential father-in-law. He's like Donald Trump. There is no substance Mm -hmm. there. It's just that he had position. And through that position, he's given opportunity. So he gets this $2 billion from from the Saudi Arabians. And I said right away when he got it, I said, <laughs> he got the $2 billion, but trust me, Donald Trump's going to get a taste. Donald Trump would never stand for Kushner getting $2 billion and him getting nothing. There's no way he would stand for that. So somehow Donald Trump is tied up in all this thing. And now we hear about all these top secret documents that are sitting in his house in Mar-a-Lago. We know he's particularly connected to the Saudi Arabians because they're the ones peeling off money to him. Um, I honestly believe that some of these documents may go to Russia I don't think North Korea, he's kind of out of the picture. He's where he should be. No credibility, nobody paying attention to him. But the Saudis, he's he's sold himself, soul and all, to the Saudis. I mean, he's got this golf tournament that comes to town. How do you think that golf golf group is going to go now when we find out about these documents and we find out the Saudis may be involved in it. All these guys that went to the Saudi Golf League are going to have problems because that fucking thing isn't going to last long. To be honest, I, I've, I've paid absolutely no attention to that LIV thing. I know, I think they offered Tiger Woods like $100 million or something, but he said he was done. No, $800 um, million. They offered him $800 okay. million. <laughs> Oh, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, it's so... I don't know. They wanted to compete with the PGA or something, but you know, it's just, it's, it's typical of them. It's a, I'm sure it's a money laundering thing of some kind. That's usually the business that they're in, but you know, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but when um, the Taj Mahal crashed and burned, not literally, but financially back in the nineties and Trump was destroyed. Did he not go over there to like rebuild some of his reputation or money or something? Or was that somewhere else? He disappeared (laughs) for like 10, 15 years. Well, he disappeared because he, you know, he he was out of money. He was bankrupt. Uh, And the reason he was bankrupt, the only guy I know of that went bankrupt uh, running a casino is because he, you know, his mouth was was uh, bigger than his pocketbook. He wanted to make this this great thing. And all the people that were around him said, look, you can build this great thing, but there isn't enough money that you're going to generate to pay for this. It's not going to work. And of course, Donald Trump said, fuck you. I'm Donald Trump. I know what the fuck's going on. And of course, it starts up and he can't pay the bills. He goes bankrupt. A lot of people don't get paid. I don't know if Saudi Arabia was part of this deal. I think it was more the Russians. And because around that time, you know, he had, uh, you know, of course he had Trump Tower. And we know that the Russians came in and bought a lot of 
spots in the Trump Tower is basically money laundering in Donald Trump's tower. We know that Donald Trump got to the point where he wasn't even building shit anymore. The Russians didn't trust him to build anything. So they said, look, we're going to build this shit. We're going to build it right. We just want your name on the front of it. And that's how he made most of his money the last, you know, 20 years. Um, But the only place Donald Trump could get money when he was struggling was Deutsche Bank. He couldn't get a bank from this country to give him any money because uh, he has a little problem with paying people back. But Deutsche Bank fed him yeah. all the money he wanted. Now, Deutsche Bank's no different than any other bank. They want to get paid back unless <laughs> unless the Russians feed Deutsche Bank money to feed to Donald Trump because they're grooming Donald Trump. And everything I've read says that Donald Trump's being being groomed by the Russians for decades. So Donald Trump got his money from Deutsche Bank, which came by way of Russia. That's my belief. And that's how he was able to revitalize himself. Yeah, I read that too, that um, he's been in, well, sorry to be a bit uh, blunt, but in bed with the Russians since, I don't know, the 80s or maybe earlier than that. Easily. That's how he got a lot of his funding, or maybe he was able to raise some money and loan some money, something like that. But, you know, like, it's just so typical. He got too big for his britches. I, I watched a documentary on um, Netflix about Taj Mahal or, or um, I forget, Trump Plaza. And, um, you know, that Trump Plaza building, it wasn't even built that well. What did it last, 30 years or something? Like, a building like that should last much longer than that. I think it closed in, I don't know, 2008 or something. And yeah. and they took it down during covid but yeah, he got too big for his britches. I think you talked about it before. They built this absolute monster casino and, you know, his advisors said the numbers don't even work. You're basically just building a castle for fun. And he said, oh, I'm Donald Trump. I know everything. You don't talk to me. I'm Mr. Know-it-all. Well, sure enough, it didn't pay the bills. And so I think you said it. His father bought the chips to keep it afloat. Well, then the money ran dry and defaulted on his loans. And how many of those small contractors didn't get paid? Yeah, they went out of business. He didn't give a shit. And, uh, you know, when you ask him about his uh, bankruptcies, he goes, well, it's because I'm smart. That was a smart business move. <laughs> now, maybe, maybe filing bankruptcy was a smart move, but not knowing what you're doing and failing in a casino tells me you're stupid because you should not fail with, with, with the casino. You know, as I, as I watch what's going on now, we went through four years with Donald Trump where it seemed like he could get away with anything. And it seemed like we were going further and further down the shitter here in the United States. But from my perspective, I get a sense now with all that's going on and uh, Donald Trump is having the troubles that we're starting to finally get a switch in the tide the things are going away from the right and the Republicans and the crazy fucks. And we're now starting to at least head back toward, toward normality or decency. We're not there yet, but it's headed that way. And I looked at this, uh, this raid of his house is kind of the, the actual turning point. Once something bad like that happened to Donald Trump, to me, that seems like we're headed the right direction and it's just a matter of time for the fall of Donald Trump and the Republicans, for that matter. But from your perspective in Canada, do you get that same sense or do you have a total different perception of it? 
No, I think you're right. Like the walls are, we talked about it already. The walls are definitely closing in. We haven't seen this level of flailing before. They've got, they got him with his pants down. There's, there's no doubt. There's no direction from the top. Uh, the GOP saying one thing, Trump saying another, then Trump switches. And then, you know, uh, it seems like Merrick's playing, um, sorry, Merrick Garland's playing poker with him right now. And he's kicking his ass because he said, oh, you must, or well, even Cruz and those guys that you must release the, the warrant. And he said, well, sure, no problem. <laughs> yeah. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 no. They're just talking talk, right? So the walls are closing in. Things are happening. You know, we've, you said it all along and I've believed it that um, he absolutely was not going to get away with this. And, you know, my friend in Winnipeg, he's been saying all along, there's no way that the Department of Justice under this leadership will ever let him back in office again, because I think they see the level of desperation and how corrupt that that agency and the Secret Service and all, like the amount of damage he did in a short amount of time. And if he were to get reelected, it would just be the end. So I think no matter what, I don't think he's going to be eligible. You know, you've been saying that he'll be too caught up with stuff. I believe that too, but I think they're going to make sure he's not even eligible in 2024, whether that means DeSantis or Cruz or whoever comes in, it doesn't really matter, but at least he'll be out of there. You know, one of the things I've said all along, and it's just, when I was saying it, it's just common sense that I, people would say, is Donald Trump going to go to jail? And I said, I, you know, I don't think so. I mean, that's a, that's a tough thing to do to take a former president and put him in jail. I mean, he's supposed to have a secret service around him all the time. Then you send secret service to jail or do you farm it out to the Aryan nation in the fucking prison? I, I don't know what the fuck you do. Do you lock him down at home and leave the secret service with him and never let him out of his house? I don't know. It just seemed kind of weird and, and unlikely that they would send him to jail for some of the things we were talking about. But I got to tell you right now, when you look at this situation with the current DOJ, you got a guy that is going to be proven to have been one of the main factors for an attempted coup on this country. You throw in all the other lies. And now if we find out that he's feeding documents um, <clears throat> to adversarial countries, I don't know how you don't put him in jail. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm in the belief that he'll be locked down and either Bedminster or um, Mar-a-Lago um, with the U.S. Marshals or something like that. I don't think they'll just leave it to the Secret Service. They'll be there too, but I think it'll be enforced by the U.S. Marshals, um, like, like the federal cops, basically. And I, I think that's about the only way they're going to do it. Take his uh, passport, put him on a no-fly list, all the fines, all the everything, but he'll just be, he'll be um, completely inconsequential and literally ineligible to run again. And that, that'll be that for him. Well, and he'll be, he'll be broke too. I mean, right. he'll, well, he'll, he'll have no way to make money. And, you know, like I mentioned before, we've got this, this trial coming up with his CFO, um, Alan Weisselberg and the indictment against the Trump organization. When that's over, his company's gone. It's disbanded. It's gone. So he has no company anymore. I mean, he's actually been grifting by, you know, selling T-shirts and fucking begging for money. But once he's locked down and he's been exposed for what he is, he's not going to be able to grift like he once does. Did. Certainly not fucking doing rallies. Nobody's going to the rallies now anyway. No, they will be like, whatever, a few, a few 
loyalists that'll just keep on it and they'll just keep blabbering to themselves and no one will care eventually. So you know, that, they'll always be that crowd. But, you know, if, if his company goes down and they call, say, like he defrauded, um, I don't know, the state of New York, how many millions of dollars in taxes? Well, they might be able to call his properties, whether he owns something on Fifth Avenue or whatever yeah. it is in New York, or they might go after his personal stuff. They might go after Mar-a-Lago or Ben Minister, that place he's got up there, to um, regain some of their losses. So where he ends up, I don't know. Maybe he'll be uh, in a bottom bunk with Jared Kushner. I don't know. <laughs> Well, you know that you know Letitia James as much as said that he she wants to shut down his business and take everything he owns, and that's feasible. I mean, when you think about what he's done with inflating and 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 uh, committing bank fraud and insurance fraud and also tax fraud, and he's been doing this for decades. He conceivably could be just financially, he will be financially destroyed. He, he won't mm-hmm. even have a property to go to. I, I, I don't know what he's going to do. And I've said this before. <laughs> People say, I won't be happy till he's in jail. You know what? If he is a broke ass bitch walking around Manhattan, nobody likes him. Nobody's talking to him. He has no way to grift money. <clears throat> that's almost. A better punishment because of his narcissism. Now he's nobody and he's a joke to everybody who even knows his name. That would be the worst punishment he could receive. Yeah, I think we maybe touched on it before, but can you even imagine like this? His ego totally got totally got the best of him. He could have just scooted along doing his thing, criming away, scamming everybody, be on a beach somewhere or at Mar-a-Lago or whatever. Life continues, nothing happens. He's, you know, scammed the world and off he goes. But no, his narcissism, his egotism got the best of him. He had to go into the presidential office. Somebody talked him into the idea of staying there, yeah. regardless of the results. It was Giuliani or whoever. Stone, I, Roger Stone, probably. Yeah, Stone could have been any of those guys, Jones, any of those guys. But someone got it into his head sometime in 2018 or 2019. That, you know, we're going to just stay here regardless of the election results. And he started to poison these agencies long before 2021. You know, it takes a long time to really get them in there, like um, get them embedded in the DOJ and the Secret Service and all these guys. Um, it takes time. It's not just something that happened in one month. So I, I firmly believe that it was sometime in... 2018 or 2019 that he got this idea that he could just stay i don't know maybe he talked to putin or or the prince a little too long and they said well why don't you just stay i don't know you know i'll be honest with you donald trump is not he's not about doing work he's out he's about putting on a show he's like a song and dance man all he knows is go out there tap dance and get people to like you Uh, i think what we're going to find out with the january 6th committee and these documents it goes back to what I said before, what he is to Putin and what he is to uh, the Saudi Arabian prince. He's a useful idiot. And I think within the Republican Party and within his own realm of uh, the Oval Office or his administration, there are people in that administration, like the Stephen Millers or the Jared Kushners or whoever the fuck he had around him. They knew he was a willful, uh, uh, willful idiot. Now, 
I will tell you this. I, I've, I've told people I've had, I had a father who was narcissistic and he was difficult to deal with until I figured him out. Until I figured him out and, and, and I understood what I understand about Donald Trump. All you have to do is pat him on the hat, back, make him feel good, make him feel important. And when I did that, I could get anything I wanted from my dad, anything I wanted. And it's the same thing with him. I think we're going to find out there were a lot of people in his circle and in the Republican Party that were basically pulling the strings, not directly where you would know it, but they understood how he worked and how he thought. So they were the ones pushing all this shit, because I'll be honest with you, Donald Trump's not a smart enough to do the fucking damage he did. There had to be other people pushing this agenda and and tricking Trump into doing whatever he did. Yeah, I think they I think you're right about the Kushners, the Millers. Those guys aren't stupid. There's there's a lot of a lot of those guys in the inner workings. They weave themselves in there. Those those guys aren't idiots. And they I think they know exactly how to play this game. And, you know, if you get it's almost like he doesn't drink allegedly. But he gets drunk on his own ego, right? So if you feed him enough bullshit, he just gets drunk on it, and he'll believe anything you tell him. So you can imagine Miller, his speechwriter, telling him all these wonderful things and then writing something different. And, you know, Miller is one of the most, I think, one of the most evil people in America. He's the one that... Oh, no question. um, He's the one that orchestrated that whole um, splitting the Mexican families and stuff and just being... Uh, out of the way cruel and so you know he's he's one evil motherfucker and same with Kushner too and I think you're absolutely right that those guys are the ones well I would believe that Jared had a lot more influence than people think because he was he was what a special advisor or something he was always kind of just in the background looking creepy and stuff I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt if he wrote a lot of policy oh Donald didn't write any fucking policy he no, didn't read. No, no, no. He didn't read. You know, I'm convinced. I, I've told somebody this, and they laughed at me. And uh, I, I mean this wholeheartedly. If you put me in a room with Donald Trump, and you told him all the shit I said in the podcast and the TikToks and the Facebook, you told him all that. You put me in a room with him for two hours. He will fucking love me. He will. I will be his best buddy, and I will get anything I want from him. Because first of all, he's not very smart. Second of all, he's a narcissist, and I know how to play these fuckers. So that's why I'm saying there are people around him that understand this, and they are using him as a as a pawn to get done what they want. They don't have to. They don't have to. You know expose themselves by doing these crimes all they have to do is convince donald trump to fucking do them well that's that's right because you know there was these as we found out in these january 6 hearings there was a lot of just random civilians coming in and out of the white house so much that cipollone can't even keep track of them you have Ginny thomas walk walking in there and making all these plans and telling him what to do and she obviously knows the game as well you know, so it was, it was Ginny, it was all these other people like Powell, um, Sidney Powell, these type of people have really no business having these special meetings with the president, but they probably just played the game too, told him he was amazing, told him that he could stay in power and they were going to facilitate it. And all you have to do is this, 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 and he gets drunk on this idea. And then this is what happens in the end is a full-fledged attack 
And it's it's just if you want to talk about the January sixth thing, just as we end here, I'm assuming we're long on time. Yeah, that's but, all right. you know, I'm 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 sure these September hearings, these these I'm assuming they'll be in prime time, the the finale is just gonna be a blockbuster. They think of all the new information that they've got now from Alex Jones and his stupid lawyer that sent all those text messages over and you know, it's just gonna be it's going to be the show show of the year, if not the decade. It, it is. And, you know, when it started, I told people, I said, this is going to be an epic miniseries. People will be glued to this shit. And that's exactly how it's gone. And it's weird how the news cycles work. You know, a month ago, all we could talk about was the January 6th hearings. And now we've got what we've got with Donald Trump. So that's kind of taken the focus. But those hearings are going to start in September again. And um, as I've said before, each one of these hearings is going to be bigger and better than the previous one. And they're going to walk this up through September, probably into October, as close to November as they can get. So this is fresh in everybody's mind, and it's just going to get worse. I mean, you think about it. We've heard they've already talked to Mick Mulvaney. Uh, They've talked to Pompeo. They've talked to a lot of people. Those videos are going to show up in these upcoming hearings. Yeah, I I actually missed the Pompeo one. Like I said, I was... I was kind of absent there for about a month. I was just busy doing stuff. So I kind of lost track of just after they ended, I kind of lost track of things. I didn't realize they talked to Pompeo, but I mean, he was right in the thick of this idea too. You can remember uh, or in the early stages of the election being um, called, he said, we are going to welcome president Trump swiftly into a second term. And I mean, you're talking about the secretary of state. And I, I can remember back, that was like mid-November he was saying that stuff. And I'm thinking, well, if it's some jackass, low-level, whoever, then it's just whatever. But we're talking about the Secretary of State saying yeah. that they're going to welcome Trump into a second term. Like, what are they planning here? That's, a, that's what, the number three or four position in the government, probably? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, the thing about it is, is, as I said, Donald Trump is a narcissist. So all I have to do is pat him on the back and he loves you. But these other people that are coming in, the Jenny Thomases, the Mike Pompeos and Mick Mulvaney's or whoever it is, they're also a little narcissistic, too. So it ends up being a narcissistic circle jerk. Donald Trump loves them because they're patting him on the back. They're excited because the president of the United States is embracing him. And that just becomes one one uh, sociopathic fucking orgy is what it is. And. And, and that's why we got into the, the, the trouble that we were in. But I think you're right about the January 6th hearings. It's going to get bad for the Republicans. I mean, Joe Biden keeps winning with bills and, 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 and uh, decisions and such. Uh, we got Donald Trump looking like he's a traitor. We've got the January 6th committee coming out. I mean, everybody's worried about Donald Trump right now with these documents. That's one thing. He's got Georgia. He's got New York. He's got twice in New York. He's got Washington, D.C., and he's got the January 6th committee. Somebody's going to get him. Like I say, just one indictment is all we need, and somebody is going to fucking get him. You have it written down how many things he has on the go? 
It's you know, I look five or six. Yeah, it's about five or six. I, I looked at a list <laughs> somebody did in an article, and and it's a lot. It's a lot. I mean, <laughs> He's got a lot of a lot of trouble. <laughs> well, Donald Trump has always been one of these people who can slip and slide through things, but now he's got to juggle five, six things, and they're all very serious. Donald Trump's not as deft and not as smart as he should be to do this. There's no way it's not going to implode on him. It's just there's no way it's not going to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah, you know, we, we've talked about Mary Trump a little bit before, and God bless her because she is the one Trump that's noble, and she is she is just uh, irreplaceable right now. You listen to her, and she's just she's just loving it because you know Donald tried to screw her out of some inheritance money or something like that, pretty typical. So she's just got obviously she went a little different way than the rest of them, but um, she's just hammering him right now. You know, he's just this is this is all new to Donald. This is He's always been able to get out of it. He's always, there's a lawyer that takes the fall over here. He pays off this guy here. He settles this case here. He's always gotten out of it. And this time there's no getting out of it. And you can tell that she is just a hundred percent confident that he's going down. Well, you know, she's suing him too for that money that he stole from her in the inheritance. (laughs) She's suing him too. Everybody's fucking suing him. And then it was kind of funny how he came out one day and he said, well, I'm going to sue CNN because they're saying I'm lying about election fraud and I'm going to sue them. You know, he's not going to sue them. He's not suing anybody. He's got, where does he have fucking time or money to do that? The reason he did that basically is he thought, well, if I sue CNN, then I can start grifting more money for people to help me to kill the evil CNN. Everything's a grift with him. Nothing is real. He's never going to sue CNN, but he's going to, you know, with all these lawsuits over and above the criminality with these lawsuits, I can use a phrase he used. He's going to go through some things and it's not going to be pleasant. Yeah. You know, I thought I'm just rethinking it here. That five or six is, um, is really, really low. I'm talking like five or six um, attorneys general that's going after him. We're talking about um, the city of D.C. is going after him. There's local state departments that are going after him over security bills he never paid to the tune of 20 or $30 million. Like it can be upwards to 50% of their budget. Right. You know, so they secured, they secured a rally for him. And then, of course, he stiffs them on the bill. Big surprise. I don't know. I don't know what. Why I guess they had to, but you know this is a long, a long uh, recorded pattern. <laughs> so he's I wouldn't doubt if he's got access of a hundred cases going on. You got the Eugene Carroll thing still in the works. You got all these just random ones that will pop up every so often. And well, well, he's got members of Congress that are suing him. Eric Swalwell, among some others, are suing him over the January 6th thing. I mean, it's just coming from all directions. He won't be able to keep up with all this shit. Well, it all costs money. Like, you all, like, you need to defend yourself. So uh, the RNC was paying some of his bills, and there was top-level Republicans that weren't too happy about that. You know, I can see maybe why. They shouldn't be using donor money for Trump's defense, even though they're hap- they'll happily send him uh, money over election defense that never even gets a cent uh, into into what it said it was going to. And I think there's even people suing him over that now, too. Do you remember that story? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, 
This guy, this guy has gone through so many lawyers. He doesn't pay the lawyers. So at this point, he's call, he's using call one eight hundred shyster to get a fucking lawyer. I just I just heard a story. I saw somebody laughing about it on on TikTok, and I'm not as familiar with rap artists, but apparently Donald Trump has a connection to the rapper Gucci Mane, and Gucci Mane hooked Donald Trump up with his lawyer. <laughs> fucking rapper's lawyer is now representing the former president of the United States. That's that's fucking amazing. And when you have shitty lawyers, you go to court and you cannot win. You will get destroyed. Can you imagine going with Gucci Mane's lawyer or some shitty lawyer that happens to be a cute girl and then go up against the DOJ, DOJ attorneys? Fuck, yeah, he's going to get destroyed. Oh, I don't know. That's I saw a little thing about that too. I, I, just in passing, but you're getting pretty desperate at that point. Like I think uh, my friend in Winnipeg, he it's his long, it's probably his his most unique belief that Michael Cohen, or sorry, sinking Michael Cohen was his ultimate ultimate mistake because Cohen, I don't really know much about him, but he's a you know, friend in Winnipeg. He said um, he covered for him so many times, got him out of so much trouble. And so he sank him in the end, probably because he didn't have a choice over the Stormy Daniels thing. But he said that was his ultimate mistake. Because look at the type of lawyers he's gotten since then. And it's, you know, the, um, the ghost of Rudy Giuliani, uh, right. traffic court lawyer, um, you know, Powell, who's who was used to be, um, to my understanding, a pretty high powered lawyer. She was a um, prosecutor, I think, in Texas. But, you know, sometimes they just go off the wall and so she started talking about all these what did she talk about the venezuelan guy the chinese all of this crazy so much that trump told her to settle down well it's funny the 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 trump people always uh said that uh, democrats had uh trump derangement syndrome when in fact it's it's his own people like you say you take a relatively normal lawyer and if they happen to be a little narcissistic they want to appeal to Donald Trump, so they do that. Now, Donald Trump calls them the greatest lawyer in the world. They get caught up in it. And now it's a matter of making money or getting position or getting votes. Now you'll do anything for this guy, regardless of how crazy it is. So you jump on board in these stories, and now you look ridiculous. And somebody like Sidney Powell, I think she lost her license by now. So did Rudy Giuliani. So I mean, Rudy Giuliani was was a hero back in 9-11, whether he deserved it or not. And now he's an absolute fucking joke. Yeah, I just don't understand. You know, I'm not <laughs> I didn't go to school or uh, like a university or anything. I think I'm fairly intelligent. But you look at these, you know, high powered lawyers, major positions, the mayor of New York and these high powered positions, these prosecutors. And they get so far in bed with Donald Trump, and it just fucks them over every single time. Well, so I'm 27, no college education. I would know better than that to not get involved because it'll just destroy you. It's destroyed every single by every single person that's ever been involved with him. Well, so they, I, where they, they get they drunk get, on their own ego or something. They get drunk on the power they perceive they're going to get with Donald Trump, and they will do anything for that power or vote or money. And it's the destruction of of all these people. It's going to take a lot of people down with them. They stood by him too long. They should have backed off long ago. 
because now they're just going to be uh, permeated with the stink of Donald Trump for the rest of their careers. Yeah, you see some of these, the odd um, ex-official or something like that, like Mulvaney, was he, I can't remember what position he held, but now he's, oh, this is too much for me, and so he's speaking out against them. All that you you talked about it before, all these people that should have known better at the time, now they're trying to be the heroes because they can see he's going down and that it's popular to go after him. So now they're trying to get clicks on Twitter or some fame in the media or they want a position in the media where they're going to speak out against Trump and be the hero all of a sudden. Well, fuck off, you know? Yeah, Everyone exactly. Everyone could see it at the time. You wanted to go over here to gain power. And then now that you see that that ship is going down, you want to gain power over here. Well, people can see through that. I've even said that about people I know, whether they be friends or family members. When this is all done and they are embarrassed and they realize they were wrong, they may want to come to me and say, geez, I'm sorry, I was wrong, I was wrong. I'm sorry, I can't forgive them. It's one thing if you just disagree with me or you have some stupid concept that you're behind, but these people were part of a movement that was trying to take down this country, trying to take it down, which would hurt my kids and my grandchildren. I'm afraid there's no going back from that. I'm not going to forgive them. I want nothing to do with them. If you want to, you know, pout and cry and feel sorry for yourself because you were wrong, well, you should have been smart enough to realize it well before now. Yeah, it, it's my it's my belief that uh, these people um, these uh, it's it's hard to even explain. Like I know what you mean. It's, it's they want to they want to overthrow the country. They want to get all this power and fame. And I really believe that they actually thought it was going to work, and that's why there were so many on oh, top of it. They were bold. Yeah bold they were proud they thought no way this was going to fail that the insurrection would succeed that they'd be able to get pence out of there and it just through a handful of people somehow it lasted and now um yeah there's some people that i don't know if they've apologized but they're trying to backtrack it and you know of course like i said there's some people that want to go over the cliff with trump but you know they're not very bright anyway but you know i, I can't think of an example but i can remember some of these um, leaders or even just people involved said, oh, no, I didn't have much to do with that. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And it's like, well, come on. Well, I, you know, I think they had the intention that they were really getting greedy for themselves for whatever reason. And they just figured the spoils go to the victor and the victor gets to make the history, write the history. Well, unfortunately, they aren't the victors. They won't be the victors, and they'll be on the wrong side of history when it's all said and done. They fucked around. They found out. They made the wrong choice, and they stuck with it too long. Yeah, if they, if that's uh, like you look at people like Green, Marjorie Taylor Green, she she must know, she must know that she's going down. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> you would think that some some lawyer was would tell her by now, like, look, you're way too. You're way too involved. So she has to double down. She has no choice. Now, she was, she's so bold and proud and loud and all this. She couldn't backtrack it anyway. But, um, you know, I haven't heard too much about the freedom tour caucus thing lately. I don't think they're really going around, but you know, you see her screaming and yelling on Twitter. And I, I don't know if you saw that CPAC scene where they recreated a yeah. January 6th defendant. He was in a cage and she was there consoling him. There's a yeah. picture of Jesus on the ground. I was just like, uh, thinking like, 
what is happening here? This is just, this isn't real life anymore. Well, you know, the Freedom Caucus, on the day after we found out that there were supposed to be nuclear weapon documents in this, these files that Donald Trump had, the day after that, the Freedom Caucus was going to have a press conference showing their disdain for Donald Trump's <laughs> Trump's uh, um, home being invaded by the FBI. And guess what? Once canceled that came it. out, they fucking canceled it because <laughs> they knew it was not going to go well. Yeah, I think maybe they got some legal advice to uh, just shut their mouth for a couple of days. You know, that just goes to show they're just they're just so full of themselves and so full of them so full of Donald Trump, they have to just keep going and going and going until someone actually stops them and said, you know, there's obviously someone on their side, maybe not even on their side, but some legal counsel that's saying, um, just leave this one alone. <laughs> yeah, definitely leave this one alone. Well, I tell you, Tyre, we uh, probably should wrap it up. Eventually, you got to get to sleep. I mean, you drove fucking 800 miles today. Um, uh, <laughs> but uh, I just want to ask you how things going up in Canada for you. I know you got a family. I know you're working. You're a young man. Everything going good up there? Yeah, we're holding it together. We've got uh, energy prices coming down now, so that's um, that's been a big relief. Um, it was, uh, I think, here it was two twenty a liter at one point, which would have been somewhere in the neighborhood of eight and a half bucks for a gallon. So it was, it was actually past California's prices. It was. Just about unbearable for a while there, and when I was out in Alberta, it was a dollar forty a liter or something. So it's it's coming down. We're doing all right up here. Um, I just saw something today in Ontario. The craziest or funniest story we've got basically for the month is the uh, Ontario Premier was giving a speech on national television and swallowed a bee. Oh wow! So yeah, that that, that cut it off pretty quick. That's yeah, that... a, that's the big news story for Canada. That, that that could mess you up. Well, clearly the people who listen to the Rational Boomer podcast have a, a, a great affection for you. So let's not wait so long between the times you come on because I'm all about giving the listeners what they want. And uh, as much as I do shows on my own, it's not all about me. It's about other people's point of view. And uh, it's good to hear the point of view of somebody who's not in this country and somebody who's not a boomer, who's a young man. And, and uh, it, it's nice to hear somebody of your age that is as thoughtful and uh, 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 as much of a thinker as you are. That's that's good to hear. That gives me hope for the future. Yeah, it, it kind of surprises me, honestly. I didn't think I was all that charismatic, but I'm <laughs> I'm glad that I'm popular <laughs> amongst amongst your audience and yeah, I just I think it's just so important to um, study these events, and we're just witnessing history every day. And if you can believe it, there's groups in this country that get ideas from these extremists. We've had different convoys and groups that want to stir up trouble, really over nothing. So they get ideas down there, and that's why it's so important to uh, study them. Well, you know, you, you, you folks, you millennials are really the future. Uh, the future is not ours anymore. We're too old. We're living our future. So our country, your country, the world for that matter is counting on you folks. So I appreciate the fact that, uh, the boomer listeners of this podcast recognize the importance of what, what millennials have to say. And I think they're relieved to hear that 
there are some more normal millennials because we've got this little agitation between millennials and uh, um, and and boomers. And I think they're saying, Jesus, I like this kid. <laughs> he's got some brains. He's logical. And he's a millennial, for Christ's sake. So I think it, I think you offer them some comfort. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I, I know I can definitely corroborate that just, just from someone that's uh, that's this age. There's a lot of people my age, uh, you know, older 20s, young 30s, and they're just caught up in uh, the daily distraction. And it's, it's kind of sad to see, you know. Um, I don't know what kind of demographics been watching the hearings, but, you know, me and my buddy in Winnipeg, he's 32. So we're captivated by it and we're studying it. And, but, you know, we've talked to some of our peers and they don't even know what's on. So it doesn't, you know, I can understand in Canada, but I, you know, I think you'd mentioned that your son, who's 28, I think you said, um, yeah, he wasn't he's that interested in, he wasn't that interested in hearing uh, or listening to the hearing, which is, um, you know, a young man should be, should be paying attention to history. I don't want to say anything insulting, but you know, he should, uh, should definitely care about what's happening. That's, it's just so influential for the future. No, you're absolutely right. And I'm thankful to say that he has become more interested in, and paying attention to the stuff. Uh, I'm trying to teach him some things and that's tough to do when you're a father, your son doesn't necessarily want to hear your shit. You have to do a fucking podcast to get people to listen to you for God's sake. <laughs> right, well, well, you're well, well, you- you're, I'll just say you're you're well informed, so you should be able to educate him fairly easily. Yeah, if he listens, if he listens, <laughs> that's that's the whole key to this. Well, Tyler, thank you very much for taking the time. I mean, after driving 800 miles to spend as much time with you as you did, that is uh, admirable. I don't know how you have the energy to do it, but you're a lot younger than I am, so I maybe forget what energy was like. But thank you for coming on and, and talking and uh, giving the folks in the uh, audience what they want. Always a pleasure. We won't wait uh, this long next time. Oh, perfect, perfect. We would look forward to talking to you again. I hope all you folks are having a great day. We'll keep you posted, and uh, we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.